good, everybody. Welcome to the SB Nation NFL show. This is The Look Ahead, episode number 25 of The Look Ahead. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. And with me, as always, on this Thursday is the man I chose earlier this week in the extend tag walk game that BLG and I played. I chose to extend this man because he is near and dear to my heart, RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. Stats, I appreciate the fantastic introduction as you always provide every Thursday for us here on the look ahead. Um, I, I have a request though, moving forward, I'd like to be addressed as my, or by my official SB Nation NFL show name, that is Batman, I will accept the Dark Knight, um, I will accept uh, Gotham's Finest, uh, but one of those three will suffice moving on, because I am clearly Batman, uh, as we learned throughout your extend tag and release segment with BLG, the Joker. If you are Batman, it is only so because you are someone that constantly gets propped up by the people around him. That's fine with me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm super fine. But I, I'm going off of the, you know, BLG said one of us was Batman, one of us was the Joker. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever seen a BLG headline at BleedingGreenNation.com. Um, he is a bit more maniacal. Uh, so I, I think, I'm you know, BLG, you might take this the wrong way, bud. But I think it's a huge compliment to him that he's the Joker. I, I think he thinks in, a, in an interesting and sometimes you know, supremely epic way, much like the Joker. Um, and so I'll fall on the Batman sword. That's fine. You know, I'm the hero that people need, not necessarily the one that they deserve or asked for. I'm just here to, to kind of, you know, put out the fires that need to be put out and, and, you know, carry my water in that respect. Speaking of things that we need, as I move right past that, <laughs> please rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. We love them. Please keep them coming. We appreciate all the reviews that have come in so far. And uh, if you leave a question in there, we will read it on the show. What up, Bear? He, um, so he, I, Batman isn't, I guess he's my Robin. Um, but, um, I was telling you before we started recording stats, my wife's out of town. Um, so I got fast food, not one of the places that you and BLG enlisted. He's actually dreaming right now. And so you ever, like, <laughs> you ever see a dog like kind of like dream bark? Um, so I, I, I'm sure. Thank you, Bear. I appreciate it. Yeah, BLG is the Joker. I told him. Don't worry. It was his idea. Um, and so that's that's where we're at here. But he is also pissed. He's per, like perennially pissed because his name is Bear and his NFL namesake, not that he was named after them, um, is kind of embarrassing. No pun intended. Well, this is going to be kind of an embarrassing show. Um, oh, no. So- See, I'm going to stop you right there because you already, like, dragged us through the mud. Uh, speaking of the episode with BLG, I, in fact, heard this episode referred to as a stupid idea when we spent, like, two hours on Wednesday on Slack coming up with awesome stuff for it. So you bite your tongue, Stats. It's good and terrible, to quote one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, look. The gears of the NFL offseason have slowed a little bit because this is supposed to be the combine week, but there's no combine because of COVID. So things are a little slower than normal. So we want to be creative here for you. We know that you expect to be entertained regardless of what's going on in the NFL world. And so RJ had this idea based off something we saw in the news. This was your brainchild, RJ. So I will let you explain it to the gentle listener. Well, first of all, um, I'm super appreciative because Stats actually read the article that I sent him. I didn't think he would, uh, but so shout out to you, Stats. You are today's MVP. Um, (laughs) In fact, I've decided that we're going to start handing out MVPs every episode of The Look Ahead. So Stats, you get the inaugural one. Congratulations to you. If you want to be a Look Ahead MVP, you can leave a review and you know, kindly, politely ask for it, and and we'll consider it. But it might put you um, ahead of the pack, so to speak. Anyway, so... It's a long story, but Taylor Swift is re-recording all of her music pre, um, I think, 2018, 2019, something like 2019. this. 2019. Thank Guess you. you did uh, the article. I, I did, but I was juggling a lot of creative juices. Anyway, um, so she re-released Love Story a couple of weeks ago, kind of the OG Taylor, you know, big-time pop bopper. I don't know about you, Stats, but if I'm on the treadmill and Love Story comes on... I definitely kick it up a couple of notches on the speed department. Just, just a song that pumps me up. But anyway, um, so I was kind of talking to stats about like, well, what, what is there? You know, I looked, by the way, to, that was 2008. 
when that song was originally released, um, in, in terms of the original version, obviously she, she's re-released it 13 years later. That was the year I graduated from high school. Um, there were a lot of other, you know, great songs. Disturbia by Rihanna was big that year. Um, you know, a lot of great anthems that came out. But but for the purposes of this, I was led down a Taylor Swift rabbit hole. So Stats and I were kicking this around and uh, decided that we are going to tie Taylor Swift song titles um, to current NFL storylines because frankly, they work very well, uh, which is why Taylor Swift is a multi-bajillionaire you know, bajillionaire, uh, seven million times over because her song titles and her songs subsequently are awesome as well. Stats, I will tell you right away, I have been to a Taylor Swift concert in my life. I don't think you have. going to assume that. So I feel like I have an inherent advantage. I don't go to concerts. I could see this. I, I could see I, my roommate in college, um, People would, you know, we would say like, "You want to go to the bar or whatever," and he'd be like, "No," and people would be like, "Why not?" And he would, he would always say the same thing. He would go, "I hate people," and I just, I got that vibe from you right there. Well, they are the worst <laughs> generally, but no, I, we have radios, we have computers. I don't need to see these people play the instruments to hear the sound that comes from them. Why do I need to go see them at a concert? Like, well, it doesn't this- make any sense for me. In this case, because Nelly showed up and they sang Just a Dream together, you don't get that on the radio stats. But uh, it was at Minute Maid Park, home of the Houston Astros, in a totally untainted World Series championship. (laughs) So (laughs) anyway, what we are going to do is we're going to match the Taylor Swift song, like you said, to NFL storylines. And you're right. It is freakish how well they line up, by the way. Once I started diving into this, I really got into it and like was kind of blown away. But here's the thing. I'm taking you behind the curtain now because uh. this whole podcast episode is under protest. Because what I said to RJ was, how do we want to do this? Do we want to come up with one list together or do you want to come up with separate lists? So RJ said separate lists. So I'm on board. And then he says, I'll let you pick whatever song you want first. So what I said was, no, let's not do that. Let's do a draft. We can draft the songs this way here. We don't overlap, and we'll do it that way. And he agreed. Let it be known. He agreed to the draft, a three- or four-round draft. And I have the receipts. I swear to God, I will tweet out a picture of the Slack conversation. (laughs) So we're going along in the draft, and we're picking, and we get to the end, and then I say, hey, do you want to go an extra round? And he says, oh, I thought we were doing 10. And then you, you, you... stole songs so here's what happened i realize now and i didn't tell you this on slack because i wanted to save it for the pod which is kind of a, a an internal motto of ours um i realized that i just thought that we were we had committed to 10 i, I can acknowledge that you did not agree to that it was my own sort of self-internal thought and idea so i i, I just want you to know i earnestly was coming from the perspective of the idea that we were putting 10 songs together. And what I told Stats was that I drafted the way that I did strategically. In fact, I don't want to spoil it, but Stats is first. He, he, he got first pick, and it was super obvious what he was going to take. And I immediately said, oh, I have total confidence that I'm going to get all of the songs that I want because I had a strategy. It's kind of like, you know, oh, we don't, I, I don't got to spend my first round pick on this song because I think I can get it in the fourth round or whatever. And so right. th- I think you can, we can understand that we got our wires crossed. I will accept 79% of the blame on this. Um, but we were four songs drafted through each. And I said, wait a minute, if we're only, cause Stad said, let's do one more. And I said, whoa, I thought we were doing 10 and I hadn't really gotten to my important songs cause I was saving them for the end. And so I said, okay, you clearly have four songs you like. I'm going to give you this list of five. None of them were your songs, which you need to, you know, attest to. And we'll be fine. And so I picked five that I don't think you wanted. I would argue maybe you didn't even know existed. Look, a draft is a sacred thing, okay? Once you start a draft, you don't just ignore it willy-nilly like some sort of monster. Okay, Stats. Here's the other thing. is I said that our storyline song matches would probably cross over. So ultimately, this was for the good of the pod. And so, Stats, you've made your case. The jury's out. They'll reconvene next Thursday. We'll hear what people have to say by way of a review if they want to be our MVP. And for now, we just have to accept what it is and go forward. You won the first overall pick you picked. You don't have to go with that one, but you go first. Give me a Taylor Swift song title. This is from her whole catalog, part of which she is recreating. By the way, I I read she's eligible for Grammys on the recreations. That feels kind of like a double dip to me. You know what I mean? Like, 
Um, I don't know if I feel cool about that, but, but that's a whole different conversation. Uh, anyway, so pick whatever song you want. You don't have to go in the order you drafted them. No, I will go uh, in the order because I think it's pretty obvious. And the first one is we are never, ever getting back together. Mm. And to me, it's clearly Deshaun Watson to the Houston Texans. Like nice. it is blatantly obvious. It just jumps out at you. I mean, look at the lyrics. Baby, I miss you and I swear I'm going to change. Trust me. Remember how all that lasted for a day. Like that is literally what happened with the Houston Texans. They traded DeAndre Hopkins. They didn't tell uh, they didn't tell Deshaun Watson about it ahead of time. He got mad. Then they fire Bill O'Brien and they say, we're going to listen to what you say in terms of interviews. And then they totally ignore everything he suggested and hire Nick Casario. And now David Culley as head coach. Like that is the actual definition of what happened. And it's perfect now because that's the situation that they're in. You could talk to your friends, talk to my friends, talk to me, but we are never, ever getting back together. That's the Texans. It's ironic because right before we started recording this, um, I forgot how the subject red came up. Uh, I don't, do you remember? I don't even. Doesn't matter. But anyway, I showed stats. My PS4 controller is red, and I said red is all to, to segue because we were getting really deep in the weeds um, in in the off pod talk. <clears throat> and to segue back, I said red is also the name of a Taylor Swift album. <clears throat> this song is from that album. In fact, if memory serves, I'm a pretty big Taylor Swift fan. I don't know if that's obvious. Again, inherent advantage over here. I believe that was the first single released from that album. Um, also, red is a prominent color in Deshaun Watson's you know, uniform color, maybe his future uniform color if he winds up in San Francisco, maybe. Who knows? Also, red is the color of his mood. He's pissed. He's pissed <laughs> off. Come on to Houston. Here's the thing, too. The whole point of the song is trying to convince the guy that it's over. And I feel like the Houston Texans need to listen to the song because the sooner they realize that Deshaun Watson is serious about this, the better it's going to be for them because I'm convinced that the longer they wait, the worse the deal they get is going to be. If they wait till after the draft, they're going to be kind of in a sticky situation because Deshaun's not going to play for them. I mean, their backup is who? I think it's AJ McCarron, right? Like, they're not going to have a quarterback. Then you got a team like the Niners that could say, like, hey, we'll give you Jimmy and three ones, and that's it. And if you don't take it, you're screwed. And if we don't get the deal done, okay, we've got Jimmy Garoppolo. So the Texans have to realize that, yes, it is, in fact, over. AJ McCarron once wore a red jersey, crimson, but we'll accept red. Uh, so sticking with the theme there, I like it, stats. Also, a great song from that album is 22. I'm sure you've heard this song before at one point in time. I actually am personally pissed still about this song, even as a 31-year-old, because that song, the whole point of it is like an anthem. Like, I'm 22 years old, let's party. It came out three days after I turned 23. Like, I never got to enjoy it as a 22-year-old. It was awful. Um, but the point I have there is there are likely going to be some 2022 picks involved in the Deshaun Watson trade whenever it happens. If it happens. Anyway, okay, so you kept yours in the order you drafted them, whatever. I went above and beyond here, Stats. I ordered mine chronologically by Taylor Swift release. Thank you very much. Uh, no big deal. <laughs> so um, I'm going throughout the, um, you know, sort of discography. I've never said that word out loud, actually. I'm just now realizing in 31 years, so I hope I landed it. Uh, but my first song, I'm Only Me. When I'm with you. This was OG Taylor stats, a little bit more country, a little bit more strumming the guitar type thing, not necessarily as much pop. Um, and so here is the line I, I want to focus on. And you know everything about me. You say that you can't live without me. I'm only up when you're not down. Don't want to fly if you're still on the ground. It's like no matter what I do, well, you drive me crazy half the time. The other half, I'm only trying to let you know that what I feel is true and I'm only me when I'm with you. To me, this perfectly describes the like, will they, won't they, in and out, um, overall relationship between Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, Big Ben would be the only person to, instead of saying like, I'm only up when you're up, to be like so confusing and archaic in the sense of like, or cryptic rather, I'm only up when you're not down. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a it's a really Ben Roethlisberger way to put this, especially like his, his road back to the Steelers this last month has been so awkward and weird. So uh, congratulations to Ben Roethlisberger here. 
And it's such a weird thing. Like his agent comes out this week and says, Ben didn't even know if he was going to be able to throw. And now he wants to come back. And now the Steelers ownership said, I think today, like, hey, we just met with Ben and we want him back, but we ain't going to pay him all that money. So we got to work that out. Like it is such a weird the Steelers are seem like they are kind of keeping Ben sort of at a distance. And Ben is like into the Steelers way more than they're into him. Yeah. I mean, again, this is and and I think that this like this song, I actually don't know when. Oh, this song was released in 2006. So right after Ben Roethlisberger's first Super Bowl win. You know what I mean? This song kind of spans the timeline of the glory days for Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. Um, I agree that Pittsburgh has some issues to figure out like Ben Roethlisberger is certainly chief among them by the way our special guest today kind of talked about that spoiler alert in our interview that you'll hear later on today shame on me did I forget to mention our interview with Shereen Williams of pro football talk at the top of the show I don't know if you did I've been so hyped about this for the whole week so I kind of just blazed through I blacked out when you were introducing me and everything (laughs) Uh, but so if you did um, we just added to it. So there you go. That is a terrible job by me. I don't know if I could be show MVP. Yes. Shereen Williams, one of the most accomplished people in all of sports media, let alone NFL media, will be joining us to talk about Dak and his contract situation. So we'll get into all that. But that was an excellent choice by you for song one. I will admit, I thought it was very fitting. My next pick, you might also think was pretty obvious, but I knew you were trouble. The lyrics line up perfectly to me with... The Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer. Like, you knew who Urban Meyer was when you hired him. This is the same guy that had controversies at Florida and controversies at Ohio State. You know, he had the whole thing with Zach Smith where he's covering up for Zach Smith's alleged domestic abuse. Then he got caught lying about what he knew and when he knew it. When he was at Florida, he had 31 players arrested between 2005 and 2010. One of which, by the way, was Aaron Hernandez. You may remember him from the double murder trial. Like, Urban Meyer, you know who Urban Meyer is when he walked in, okay? And what happens? Like a week into his tenure, he wants to hire Chris Doyle, who has a history of making racist comments to players and gets called out on it immediately. And then he has Chris Doyle has to resign and Urban Meyer has to put out not one, but two statements trying to backtrack from that and cover it up. Like the Jags knew who he was. And oh, by the way, this is a guy that has retired twice from head coaching positions because of his health. So you knew he was trouble when he walked in. And when he puts them down in a few years, the Jags are going to be the ones lying on the cold, hard ground. I believe the first, I'm, it looks like you have the, you know, peeling the curtain back a little bit. I believe you have the lyrics up in front of you entirely. Did you print them out? You no, wrote, I them. wrote them down. Oh my God. <laughs> that's it. Stats hand wrote these. Uh, so you don't have the full lyrics, clearly just the ones you, you feel applicable uh, or are applicable. I believe the opening lyrics to that song are once upon a time, a few mistakes ago. Like yep. that is totally urban Meyer. I mean, it, 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 there, he has nothing but mistakes in the past. I think you could certainly argue he's nothing but titles everywhere as well. If you want to, you know, be obtuse about it. Um, yeah, I, it is insane. Like sometimes things are so predictable that they just don't end up happening. Right. Um, you know, it's like, Oh, that's never going to happen. Cause it's so obvious, but we've gotten two of those this off season in, you know, now urban Meyer having trouble, like two months in and the other one, has to do with my song stats. My next one. Um, this song comes to us from the speak. Or excuse me. How can I do this? The Fearless album, the same album that Love Story originated on. So Taylor Swift is currently in the process of getting ready to release the re-recorded version of this. It's called Fifteen. And Pete Sweeney was on uh, Thursday, no Wednesday's <laughs> episode of uh, of the Daily. Welcome to the Daily Roundup, Pete. Appreciate you taking the Wednesday episode off my plate. Um, and Pete and I on Monday Football Monday. By the way, that was a rough um, extend. Uh, tag release segment for Pete and for Kiss, really for anybody not named RJ. So I really, you know, I, I can't imagine what it's like not to get extended by either of you, but I digress. Anyway, on Monday, Football Monday, Pete and I were talking about Patrick Mahomes wearing number 15. I agree, not the best look. It's a really wide number. I would love him in number five to Pete's point. But 15, if you haven't heard its stats, is kind of a song, um, not about naivete, but sort of about nostalgia by Taylor Swift. She talks about the the main part of the song says, because when you're 15, talking about her age, being a freshman in high school, somebody tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. And when you're 15, feeling like there's nothing to figure out, count to 10, take it in, 
this is life before you know who you're going to be at 15. It's a really innocent age, right? And really impressionable age. And, and you feel invincible is not the right word, but the, the whole world is, is quite literally in front of you. And in Ode to Pete Sweeney, I feel like this aptly describes the Kansas City Chiefs. I know that they lost the Super Bowl, and I feel like that's kind of been forgotten, but also something that Chiefs fans are really bummed out about. You are still so young, you know, like in, in, <laughs> in the infancy of all of this, you're, it's going to happen. And I think there's no better evidence than the dude who you just lost to. Like you're not going to have this blemish free, you know, record. Maybe you don't even make the AFC title game next year, but just chill out. Just, you know, I see all these Chiefs fans like up in arms, like, oh, are we going to do Andy Reid? It's like, you're going to be perfectly fine. You have Andy <laughs> Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek and Travis Kelsey, you are going to be fine. Enjoy this age next year. Maybe you get a driver's license. You know what I mean? Like, but but for now, just just enjoy being a kid. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where you're a teenager and you break up with someone and you're just like crushed, like you're destroyed. You think you're never going to recover, and then like a few months later, you meet somebody else, you get into somebody else, whatever, and it's like it never even happened. And that could be the Chiefs coming off the Super Bowl loss, especially because. They got one already in 2019, too. And that's a huge factor. Right, Bear? Yeah. He heard a noise. Again, the wife's out of town. Uh, he appreciates 15. I just – it's a real – and shout-out to Abigail. Abigail is a, is a character in the song, and so I'm glad she got a shout-out here on, on The Look Ahead. All right. I'm going next, and this is another fairly obvious one, um, but the Homer in me kind of went there. And I'm going with You Belong With Me, and to me, it's Kyle Shanahan too. Deshaun Watson, because it just lines up perfectly. The, the lyrics, you're on the phone with your girlfriend. She's upset. She's going off about something that you said because she doesn't get your humor like I do. And that is exactly the message that Kyle Shanahan would send to Deshaun Watson. The Texans don't know how to take advantage of what you do. I'm an offensive genius. I know how to maximize your talents. You won't have to bail them out anymore running around because I'm going to make it easy for you. Stats, you are a Taylor Swift album this offseason. That's what you are. You're writing songs about Matthew Stafford. You're writing songs about Sam Darnold. You're writing songs about Deshaun Watson. I mean, are you, are you, how, what's your hope level? I feel like your hope level has risen here. Is it, is it, it, I'm worried for you that it's going to get too high and then you're going to be bummed when he's traded somewhere terrible. No, he's not going to San Francisco because they're not going to be willing to do what they need to do. But the lyrics, I mean, like, I can't help thinking that this is how it ought to be. Laughing on a park bench, thinking to myself, hey, isn't this easy? I think that's what Kyle thinks life would be like with Deshaun Watson. Like, Kyle's got an ego. You know, you know who Phil Hellmuth is, the poker player? Of course. What kind of question is this? Right. So, you know, his famous quote, right? If it weren't for luck, I'd never lose. Right. I think that Kyle Shanahan thinks the same thing about his plays. I think he thinks if people didn't get physically beat, like sometimes defenders just physically own the offensive linemen, especially in San Francisco, like he thinks his plays would work all the time. He would score every time. And that's why he wants to Sean Watson, because when those things do happen, Watson would be able to overcome that with just his incredible athletic ability. And I think Kyle thinks he would score every time. So I suppose in a literal sense, I'll, I don't know if we're grading this whole exercise, by the way, um, but your previous two songs, I give you a 10 out of 10. Let's grade it like a slam dunk contest. So you get a 10 out of 10 for each of the first two. All right. This one's like a 6 out of 10. Uh, oh. <laughs> because, so the whole point of that song, which, by the way, shout out to David Heldman of DallasCowboys.com. I saw he tweeted earlier in the week that this is like the most you know boppy Taylor Swift song of all time, and I, I think that that's a fair take. Um, but, like... In the, the song, she's telling this dude who, like, like he only belongs with her. You know what I mean? Like, that's the whole point here. And Deshaun Watson, like, only, like, you could make the same argument for everybody. Like, my point is, like, Kyle Shanahan is not the, the person seeing the beauty within Deshaun Watson. You know, the beauty is very visible and very obvious. You know what I'm saying? Like, Deshaun Watson is the most popular quarterback option on the market Kyle Shanahan is not the only one with eyes for him but it it can make what you're saying literally true I suppose boy you you are a tough grader man all right what do you got for me so I think that that song could have fit 
where my current song is about to fit. Our next uh, audio styling stats comes to us from the Speak Now album that Taylor Swift released in 2010. My personal favorite Taylor Swift album. That was when I saw her in concert. It is called The Story of Us. Uh, This is the portion that I find to be important. Now I'm standing alone in a crowded room and we're not speaking. And I'm dying to know, is it killing you like it's killing me? I don't know what to say, and since a twist of fate when it all broke down, and the story of us looks a lot like a tragedy now. Um, this is undeniably Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. You know what I mean? Like, just an, an incredible... And, and so my point is, You Belong With Me could have been Frank Reich, you know, strumming the guitar, you know, singing through the window to Carson in Philadelphia. But the story of us certainly looks like a tragedy now. I know that, you know, when we talked to BLG last week on, on this show, we asked was this a success? And I, th- I think it was ultimately because they won a Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. it just feels like such an incredible letdown. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't know. I mean, maybe hole in the boat is the best way to put it as we have, but it, it is an, a historically awful tragedy, football-wise. You know, I saw a clip from NFL Films recently of Doug Peterson talking to John Lynch, the, head, the GM of the 49ers. It's before a Niners-Eagles game. And Peterson is Lynch says, hey, Wentz is special. And Peterson says, John, you don't even know the way he studies, the way he puts in time in, the way he talks to coaches and works with guys. He's the real deal. And Lynch is like, yes. And as they're walking away, Peterson looks at him and says, as long as we don't screw him up. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Unbelievable that that's exactly what happened. I just I also think I and look, I realize what my job here at SB Nation is. So this is not coming from that perspective, I promise. But I feel like the the culture of who Philadelphia is needs to also take a, a look in the mirror here. You know, like, I, I almost want to say they, like, willed this into existence. You know what I mean? In, in a very weird way. Like, they're not happy unless they're unhappy? Maybe, but also, I mean, it was it was broken from, from the jump, the way they won the Super Bowl, but... I it I mean it was it was a true Kobayashi Maru. I imagine you know what that is. You're an intelligent person. Shout out to you again. That's why you're the MVP today. But um, <laughs> I especially I, everyone looks at, at the at the Super Bowl win. I think the 2018 season, and I know Carson came back in 2019 and led the team to the division win. But the 2018 season, I think, is what really broke him. Um, it it really did in in that he did it again. You know what I mean? Like that that has to just like fester man uh, I've tried to make this analogy a thousand times on BGN radio and my own places have you ever seen the movie Pearl Harbor yes thank you again while you're MVP nobody's ever <laughs> seen it when I try to make this analogy it wasn't very good but I've seen it it wasn't but so uh for anybody that's seen it this is a conversation for you and stats you know how Ben Affleck is dating Liv Tyler she thinks he's dead she hooks up with Josh Hartnett she gets pregnant Josh Harnett goes on and dies, obviously, in, throughout the war and, and the you know all that stuff uh, in the movie. And Ben Affleck, and like we see in the closing moments, ends up with Liv Tyler and raises the the child that she and Josh Hartnett had together, right? And so that was that was always like that's the 2018 season of Nick Foles was the conception of the child. You know what I mean? Like it, right. it was it was never ever going to go away. That the Super Bowl win was like the the glancing at the bar, like hey. How you been? You know, but the 2018 season was was the true, you know, sort of conception. And I just, it, it's really, I don't know of a, of a story in the NFL, in NFL history that's really kind of gone like this before. It's fascinating. That is a oddly apt comparison you just made. I don't know that anyone else in the history of the planet is going to go to Pearl Harbor to explain the situation. But you're right. Carson Wentz was left raising Nick Foles' baby. Let's be honest. And he didn't like it. And it kind of broke him. I would agree with that. Like he was never, he was always threatened by Foles and and everything that happened and he couldn't just get over it. And so when he started to struggle, then they ch- started to put in some of the plays that Nick Foles ran really well and he didn't want to do the Foles play. Like he could not handle what had happened. No, and, and you you talked about Steve Young on, on the Oddcast. Again, I don't ever listen to the Oddcast. I just, so I have somebody that tells me what you guys talk about. Uh-huh. And, and it, I remember, you know, when Steve Young was chasing ghosts and like, that's really hard, right? To chase like a goat ghost, but like the ghost that Carson was chasing was not, no disrespect, <laughs> Joe Montana or any other ghost, but like incredibly different. And I, I also would argue 
if if Philly is having this introspective moment, the Foles statue will be awesome for the like rest of time. But it was a real big mistake, I think, in the immediate aftermath. I just I I feel for Carson, and a lot, I I know he he you know dug a lot of holes himself. But I mean, man, just it was it was a tough road to hoe for him. The statue, I honestly like. I almost wonder if looking at it will bring on more of a feeling of sadness than happiness because yeah, you won the Super Bowl, but like both guys in the statue were off the team three years after. That's true. I mean, one of them was out even sooner than that. And it right. falls, you know, Foles was gone, and, yeah. and all the statue represents to your point is kind of what's, what was lost, right? Like every Cowboys fan looks at the 94 season and looks at like Jerry and Jimmy and is like, Oh, why couldn't you guys stick together? It's like, they they still won three out of four, you know. <laughs> like it's that's an okay consolation prize versus right. like the everyone we all agree that Eagles roster it it had every reason to be awesome. And so I I wonder maybe this is a great project we'll do in a couple of years. Like I wonder if the Eagles would have had a would be dynasty if they don't win Super Bowl Fifty Two, right? Like if they if they lose the NFC Championship game because the psychology of it all is so different you know and and then i think there's this like we all got to come back you know we all got to finish it or whatever i mean let I me know. tell you that doesn't always work that's true the revenge tour yes the, sometimes they go awry let me just say that all right let's get back to our taylor swift uh comparisons here because my next one i have the song of songs the the ultimate taylor swift banger i think it's fairly obvious shake it off one of her all-time best i don't even really like taylor swift that much and i love this song And to me, I think the perfect situation is what we found out this week with Alex Smith and the Washington football team. I mean, Alex Smith came out and said they didn't want me there. I mean, listen to the lyrics of the song, okay? But I keep cruising, can't stop, won't stop moving. It's like I got this music in my mind saying it's going to be all right. That's the comeback for Alex Smith. That's his determination, his raw unfiltered, unwavering belief that he was going to get it done. Okay, great. Let's look at the rest of the song because the player is going to play and I'm not going to read the rest of it because I'm butchering it as it is. (laughs) Player's going to play. Hater's going to hate. Baby, I'm just going to shake. I shake it off. Shake it off. That's Alex Smith saying, I don't care that Washington doesn't want me around. I don't care that I threw a wrench in their quarterback plans and that I'm interrupting the life cycle of Dwayne Haskins when he was there. Like, I'm doing this because I'm trying to do this incredible thing. I'm just going to shake off the criticism, shake off the hate. And let's be honest, RJ, that is something that Alex Smith has done his entire career. No matter where he's been, they've never really wanted him, right? Like, it's such a strange thing. Look at it this way. Alex Smith has played... 14 years in the league. He's a number one overall pick. Name me a number one overall pick that's had a career as long as Alex Smith has that nobody wants. Nobody wants this dude. They kicked him to the curb in San Francisco when he was playing the best football of his career for Colin Kaepernick. Then he goes to Kansas City. I think he makes the playoffs three times in four years with Kansas City. They draft Patrick. They trade up to draft Patrick Mahomes in the first round. Bam. They give Smith the boot after a year. Then he goes to Washington, wins in Washington, and they don't want him around because he, you know, he broke his leg, makes this incredible comeback. They still don't want him. Like Alex Smith has been shaking it off his entire career. Yeah, I think, you know, I know he's the reigning comeback player of the year. He certainly could have won it before. And granted, obviously wouldn't have come back from anything, you know, similar to what he has most recently. But I also think, and again, I don't want to bag on Carson Wentz anymore, but you know, there's there's a lot to the I think mental discipline of players, and I think that Alex Smith has that you know in every single capacity because not only was he you know and and he you correct me if I'm wrong he lost that job to Colin Kaepernick when the Niners were rolling in 2012 and they oh, had yeah. they had just come off of losing the NFC Championship game and he got hurt right he had a concussion and yep. I th- you can correct me if I'm wrong again shout out to to the co MVP of the, ga- the day I suppose in Bear that was a Monday Night Football game against Chicago that Colin Kaepernick started and then yes. never looked back and so and, and not only does does Alex Smith get booted out of there and then gets booted out of Kansas City. 
City because, you know, it's time to start Patrick Mahomes. But he, you know, and I don't want to take anything away from the greatness that Colin accomplished in San Francisco or what Patrick's doing in KC now, but he gets booted, like, right before it gets good. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, the, the Niners went to the Super Bowl and made it back to another NFC title game. You know what I mean? And then Kansas City has had this awesome roster. No, not that, you know, Kaepernick and Mahomes didn't do anything themselves. But, I mean, that has to suck, right? Like, you just, you leave and you're thinking, like, Man, that could have that should have been me. Like Carson was thinking with Nick Foles, and some people just respond differently to it. So um, he does shake it off. Ten out of ten, good for you. You're back. This is the incredible thing, and I know it's not the end all be all stat, but do you know that Alex Smith has a winning record everywhere he's been? That and is he amazing. played with some awful teams in San Francisco when he got drafted in 2005. He was 38, 36, and one with the Niners. 50 and 26 with the Chiefs. It's won twice as much as he lost in Kansas City. And he was 11 and 5 in Washington. Like, nobody loves Alexander Douglas Smith. I did think it was interesting that he said what he did this week. Like, that was a really non Alex Smith move. But, I mean, if, if, if you'd been through the hell this dude's been through, you would certainly have earned the right to have a couple of conversations about whatever the hell you wanted. You know what I mean? The crazy thing is he's still got two years left on his deal. <laughs> and Alex Smith never says anything. He never complains in public before. He didn't complain with what happened in San Francisco. He didn't complain with what happened in Kansas City. That He basically had to train Mahomes to take his job. He never does this. And I think he's just reached a point now where he's like, I'm old and I don't care. And what can you do to me? Release me? Big deal. Like the worst possible thing that can happen to him in terms of his career has already happened. And he got through it. So... He's bulletproof, kind of. Well done. Well done by you, Stats. Um, let me try to, to piggyback off of this. Uh, we have three combined left, I believe. Um, so I have a rule, Stats, that <clears throat> if you are or if you have the song that is on the like um, the college football ABC commercial that hypes up the like Saturday night game, you know what I'm talking about? With all the highlights, you get like some Bama and Auburn highlights coming in. If you've got that song... That's a pretty balling song. You know what I mean? Like, generally, like the, uh, the other, like one year, uh, Panic at the Disco's Saturday Night was there. Like, it's a really great song slot. And so, this song made its appearance uh, there in 2017. A lot of people thought this was Taylor going a bit dark. Uh, it certainly got very different. Um, and at one point in the bridge, she um, there are multiple versions of her past self, like dressed up in, in different ways. She's dressed up for different concerts and stuff like that. And she's kind of talking to like another, I guess, like ghoul or ghost or something in, in the video. And somebody asks, um, or, or she says, I'm sorry, but the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. And then she goes, why? Oh, because she's dead. And then it turns into, ooh, look what you made me do. And she says that like a billion times. And so like the whole thing is like, look what you made me do. You made me like, you know, up my game. And I believe, I don't want to go into this Swedes, but I think this song was like a pop culture diss at some other famous people, if I remember correctly. Um, and so it was this like FU sort of like song for Taylor Swift and an FU kind of tour, no pun intended. That is Tom Brady with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look what you made me do. And it's not even just at Bill Belichick anymore. Like, I think Tom Brady's just stunting on everybody. You know, I, I maintain this dude has just hit the nas on his career since he got accused <laughs> of Deflategate. And I, I'm just wildly impressed. I started reading, I think I shared this with you. I wrote about it for SBNation.com. I was reading Brady versus Manning by Gary Myers. And he, he spoke to Gary at the time he had three Super Bowl rings. And he said, well, it's not like you're going to win six or seven Super Bowls. It's like, look what you made me do. You made me like, just become you know the most legendary player of all time you said that jerry rice was arguably the goat again on an episode i didn't listen to uh, there's no argument here tom, jerry rice gave up the title himself albeit begrudgingly tom brady is the goat and i mean look what you made him do here's the crazy thing with brady like i always talked about this with michael phelps when he was winning all those gold medals in the olympics i always said he wasn't competing against the people that were in the pool with him Right. He was competing against anybody that had ever swam in the Olympics before because the only thing people cared about was not whether he was going to win the gold. It was whether he was going to set the world record. Shout out. Was it Mark Spitz? Is that his name? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. That's whose records he broke for the gold medals anyway. But Brady is he's sort of on that level. He's playing a different sport. He's not worried about winning a Super Bowl, right? He's winning seven Super Bowls. Now in his mind, he's like, you know what? 
Peyton Manning switched teams, and he won a Super Bowl with a different team, and nobody had ever done that before. Let's see if I could do that. <laughs> and so, bam, now he goes and does that. Now in his head, it's like, okay, what else can I do? Can I? Let's see. What if I go to another team? Then I could win Super Bowls with three different teams. Like, he is just on another level. He's playing a different sport than the rest of us. It is so awesome. And I don't know why anybody spends any time hating him. It's so incredible. It's so much fun. It's actually weird how likable he is. I wrote this when I wrote about that quote. I mean, the the chucking of the trophy, um, the the Lombardi <laughs> family member notwithstanding. I mean, that was awesome. You know, like he, he truly is this like incredible sort of mascot for like carefreeness. And I you're right. I 1000% believe it was this Oh, Peyton did what? Okay, I'll go do that. <laughs> like, you know, I don't want Peyton to be the only person that's ever done it. I want to go do it. And it took Peyton a couple of years. I'll do it on the first try. Like, it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's just unbelievable. Okay, go on. Your last song. All right, my last one is a song that honestly, like, I'm not super familiar with, but it was a hit, and that is Blank Space. And Ooh. I think that that perfectly applies to the New York Jets, right? Here we go. Nice to meet you. Where you been? I could show you incredible things. Magic, madness, heaven, sin. Saw you there and I thought, oh my God, look at that face. You look like my next mistake. To me, that's the New York Jets right now. Because they can go a thousand different ways this offseason. They've got cap room. They've got extra first round picks. They've got the number two pick in the draft. Some of the moves they could make could be magic. Some of the moves they make could be madness. Oh my God, look at that face. Maybe they fall in love with a rookie quarterback coming in the NFL draft and you could be my next mistake. And nobody, but nobody makes more draft mistakes than the New York Jets. And I live for the yearly montage that ESPN plays of all the horrible Jets draft picks followed by the immediate fan reaction. And I know you know what I'm talking about, RJ. Yeah, um, a great part of the draft continually being held at Radio City Music Hall, certainly. Um, I don't think you knew this, Stats. That song is from her album, 1989, a really great contender for her her all-time greatest album. The first song on that album is actually called Welcome to New York. So um, I got to give it to you, Stats. 10 out of 10, man. I mean, well done. Let me make one more point on this because I I just unearthed this nugget and so I have to share it. (laughs) The other lyrics of the song... I'm dying to see how this one ends. Grab your passport in my hand. I can make the bad guys good for a weekend. Do you know, RJ, that four of the last five Jets head coaches have finished above 500 in their first year? And all other than Adam Gase won at least nine games. Herman Edwards, 10 and 6, playoffs. Eric Mangini, 10 and 6, playoffs. Rex Ryan, 9 and 7, playoffs. And Todd Bowles in his first year didn't make the playoffs, but he went 10 and 6. Like the Jets head coaches in their first year are good for a weekend. And then uh, dicey. This was really, this was your finest hour, honestly. I mean, the other songs are great, but this was really good. And I, I'm happy you saved your best for your guy, Sala. I mean, I think he would certainly be proud. I also, I like how blank space, like the lyrics apply to this, you know, team in this situation, as do the like literal song title. I mean, it's literally like a blank canvas for them. They can do whatever they want. Stats, well done. I mean, I Thank you. I would say I wouldn't, I don't have to do one more, except I really like this one. <laughs> and I think that we both deserve, for the listener's sake, we did not plan all we did was tell each other the song names we did not say i'm gonna tie to this storyline stats we naturally found 10 different nfl storylines so good for us um my final song comes to us um i'm not super like a gigantic fan of this album from taylor it's got some some bangers uh it's called lover it's from 2019 so not that old um the song is called i forgot that you existed the line in question that i think is most applicable here i forgot that you existed it isn't love it isn't hate. It's just indifference. I forgot that you sent me a clear message, taught me some hard lessons. I just forget what they were. It's all just a blur. I think that the Seattle Seahawks have written this song about Russell Wilson. I mean, like, because again, this, this part to me, like it isn't love. It isn't hate. You sent me a clear message. You taught me some hard lessons. I just forget what they were. Like, I think the Seahawks are like, man, screw this. Like, this is exhausting. I agree with you again. Didn't listen to the podcast for the 87th time, but everything that Russell does is completely premeditated and completely preplanned. And so this, like, 
I one thousand percent believe, just like you, he hand wrote his notes that for what he was going to say on on the Dan Patrick show when he talked about you know wanting help and whatnot. And he's sending a clear message. But if I'm Seattle, it is all just a blur. And I for a second stat, I thought I had this. I thought the Seahawks mascot's name was Blur. It's Blitz. I was so close. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but anyway, this the Seahawks. I I feel like they've gotten that message. It's just a matter of whether they're going to act on it. And I do think if they trade him, they really will like forget he existed for a while because that's just kind of the Seahawk way like they have forgotten effectively that Richard Sherman existed that Michael Bennett existed you know that Marshawn Lynch like you don't ever like really remember that like you know that that happened obviously but it it feels like so long ago and like it never happened I feel like the Seahawks have run their team with apathy towards Russell Wilson they haven't surrounded him with a good offensive line for most of his tenure his wide receivers were average at best now I think with Lockett and Metcalf they finally remedied that situation But for most of the time, they have not shown the urgency that teams with an elite franchise quarterback have shown once they identify that guy. Apathy would kind of be how I would describe the Eagles treatment of Russell Wilson. The Seahawks. Don't don't put Russell Wilson on the Eagles, Scott. (laughs) Um, The only thing I would counter that with was when they panicked and traded for Jimmy Graham. That's the only time they've ever been like, well, let's do – and then, again, it was like they forgot he existed. It was like, hey, Jimmy, just block all the time. (laughs) Yeah, but who – Who'd they trade to get Jimmy Graham? Do you remember? That's true. Of the course center, they did. Max, Max Unger. Unger. Yeah. Like the yeah. most important offensive lineman. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. Um, so maybe they have truly already forgotten he existed. Um, but so, um, you know, congratulations to us. This was, this was much better than you thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, I'm always up for an idea that's good and terrible. Like, sign me up for it. I'm here for that kind of thing. Because I think that's what people like, and hopefully you enjoyed that. I'm stunned, RJ, that you did not, for any of your storylines, pick Dak Prescott. And I purposely did not choose it because I just assumed you would find a way, as you somehow always seem to do, to wedge the Cowboys and Dak Prescott into the program. But that's okay. Well, I mean, Dak is Taylor Swift here, and the Cowboys are every dude in the world. Um, (laughs) And and so, plus, I wanted to save the Dak talk for our incredible guest, our esteemed guest, super honored guest, somebody who has forgotten more about football and the Dallas Cowboys than you and I will ever know. And that is Shereen Williams of Pro Football Talk. She was very generous with her time. So we talked to her about Dak and what they do and how the Cowboys might actually just screw this up. We'll let you hear that after the break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. This is the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero with RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. And RJ, you must be in a good mood because we are about to have on. Now, I, I can't say that this is our first Hall of Famer on the SB Nation NFL show, but I can say it's my favorite Pro Football Hall of Famer, and that is Shereen Williams, who is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, been covering the NFL for almost three decades now, and the most distinguished, by far, member of the Pro Football Talk family. Shereen, thank you very much for the time. Thank you, Stats and RJ, for having me on. I appreciate it. So Dak is obviously the center of the quarterback rumors in the NFL right now. Jane Slater had a tweet yesterday that said that the Cowboys are not going to franchise him and they're still hoping to work out a long-term contract. I know you've been asked this a lot, but I'm going to ask you one more time. Even if Dak Prescott wants to play only for the Cowboys, being that he's only 16 games or 17 games maybe away from the open market, what 
logical reason could he have to sign a contract now before the season starts? Well, I mean, it would have to be in his best interest to do that. You know, frankly, they should have gotten this done two years ago and, and they haven't gotten it done. So the price has gone up every month, year that they've waited and, and the price is what it is now, you know, with the franchise tag being at 37 million, you know, that's a starting point. So the Cowboys have cost themselves a lot of money and they're going to have to pay Dak Prescott a lot of money to stay. And, you know, it, it's not Dak Prescott or his agents. It's not up to them to figure out the ca- the Cowboys cap issues. I mean, it, that's up to the Cowboys to do that. And, and as a player, you want generational money, you want generational wealth. And he has a chance to do that, whether it's under the franchise tag, under a long-term deal or with someone else. And, you know, I think even with the ankle injury, enough people have quarterback problems that if he were to hit the free agent market, I do think he would get a huge contract from somebody else. Shereen, so something that I am, I guess, fascinated and perplexed and frustrated all at once by um, is is obviously how we're here, um, but but specifically the way we got here. Um, but I think back to actually when Steven spoke with Mike Florio last kind of spring, summer, I think it was May, um, when he said that there were lots of analytics that supported that you can't pay a certain player a certain percentage of your salary cap. And it was it was the it wasn't even low hanging fruit from an analytical standpoint. It was this, I don't want to say completely incorrect, but it was a really difficult comment for Steven Jones um, on Twitter and, and in different places. And so I, I feel like it's important for the Cowboys and, and you know, this better than anybody to win. And, and I don't mean on Sundays, I mean like in, in the public. And I think that we are at a different point with this where it is almost universally acknowledged that they have botched this. And so do you feel like they do feel this pressure to kind of get rid of the egg that's on their face, so to speak? And if you do feel that way, what is the way to do that? Cause I don't feel like it is paying deck. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. And you go back to the year they could have signed, right? We're talking about now, and this has been brought up because of the Wentz contract and the golf contract, which at the time we were most of, were terrible contracts and and frankly they were as it's turned out but the guy you should have signed was Dak Prescott so the Eagles and the Rams give those big contracts to those quarterbacks and they shouldn't have and the Cowboys should have with Dak Prescott and didn't so those didn't work out the ways that that they probably should have none of those three worked out the ways and now you have the two quarterbacks with the big contracts moving elsewhere and Dak Prescott frankly perhaps moving elsewhere either this season or, or next season. And, and I tell you, if he plays under the tag this year, I'm with Troy Aikman. If he plays under the $37.1 million tag this year, I do think he's gone after this year. They can't tag him. It will have been almost three years that they've had to talk to try to get a long-term deal done, and they won't have done it. Yes, I think there is a lot of pressure under the Cowboys to get this deal done at whatever cost. At this point, it doesn't matter whatever the cost is. People are going to say it's too much, whatever. More people are going to be mad if you don't sign Dak Prescott long term, right? And if you are in belief, and I think I believe that the Cowboys believe that he is their franchise quarterback. They found him. They don't want to go back to the days when they're playing Quincy Carter and Drew Henson and Clint Sterner and all of those guys that they played in between Troy Aikman and Tony Romo, who frankly they lucked into, and then they lucked into Dak Prescott. So whatever the cost is, you have to get this deal done over the next two weeks. And it should frankly be easy to do because both sides have talked for so long, they know what the other side wants. So when I say easy, I realize it's a lot of money we're talking about, but from the standpoint of they have talked for two years endlessly, they know what each other wants out of this deal. So you've got to come to some middle ground to say this works for both of us, and there has to be middle ground there. If they can't get it done, I think Cowboys are going to be more mad that they didn't get it done than, than if they overpay for Dak Prescott, which they're going to do. Newsflash, they're going to overpay for Dak Prescott now. I think to your point, Shireen, in, in, a, in a larger sense, why it's easier is, again, I realize it's not, you know, copy paste or anything, but 
these contracts exist, right? Jared Goff's contract existed. Carson Wentz contract existed. These, these were very easy to just kind of look and say, okay, we'll just bump it or we'll just, you know, whatever. Like that, that's kind of the way business is done in the NFL on a superficial level. I almost don't fault Washington for falling into the trap with Kirk Cousins, not as talented as Dak Prescott, but, but that precedent wasn't really there before. Right. And, and so now to your point, the Cowboys have, have traveled through the wilderness of operating without a quarterback. They've stumbled into two now in a row in Tony Romo and Dak. And they also have the like huge neon caution sign within their own division. That is Kirk cousins. And so I, I just, I, Jerry has said so many times how much he regrets not helping or not doing more to help Tony Romo win a championship. And I just don't understand. This feels like a, like somebody who completely unlearned that lesson and learned the opposite one. Like this doesn't to me seem like somebody who, who wants to sort of rewrite those sins, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I just think they're under a lot of pressure to, to get this deal done. And there is a lot of risk in it. And there's probably more risk in it now than there was a year ago or two years ago or whatever it was, because he is coming off the ankle injury. And, and you, you do have more to compare it with. There is a, a bigger body of work, but you're coming off he's off the ankle and questioning whether he can get back to the point he was. And, and at what point can he get back to the point he was leading the league? yards so they believe that he is their franchise quarterback and they believe that you know you've gone from Tony Romo now to a seamless transition to Dak Prescott so you can't mess this up and you're you're right because you're going to overspend for him you're not going to have we talked about the pie as you mentioned you're not going to have as much of the pie to go spend on somebody else you may have to cut a Jalen Smith you may have to you know, do some other things that you wouldn't have had to do if you hadn't signed Dak Prescott to this long-term deal, or if you had done it a year or two ago, but here they are. You can't change what's happened in the past. They are where they are. They have to sign him at whatever cost that is, at whatever expense of getting rid of shedding players, as it were. They may have to outscore teams because they may have to give up some stuff on defense, but they better draft awfully well. That's what it's going to come down to. They better draft well, they better get a bunch of undrafted uh, free agents who are really good, who can make the team. Uh, and you better get some low-cost free agents who can come in and help you, whether that's re-signing your own guys at a low cost or going out and getting guys. But they better evaluate that talent very, very well because they're not going to be able to afford uh, a lot of the guys to come in here to help because Dak Prescott does take up too much of that pie. They know that. And here's the other thing. They keep reworking these contracts and, and pushing it back. The Steelers have done the same thing. And they're in the position they're in now with, with Ben Roethlisberger due to make $41 million against the cap. And now they're negotiating to bring that number down. Well, when you rework contracts like that, at some point you have to pay the piper. And that's kind of what the Cowboys are seeing with so many contracts that, that they've reworked and paid Dak Prescott. And now the salary cap is coming down and it's all coming to a head all at once. So... You know, it, it's going to be tough, whatever they do, however much they pay him, but they've got to keep him. And he's he's the guy. He You've got to keep him and build around him however you can, even if you're not spending a, a, a lot of money on that other talent. And at some point, yeah, it probably does become like Russell Wilson. Like, I've got to have better people around me. And they say, well, we can't afford it. So, you know, you hope that these things work out, that there's a compromise in between that the Cowboys can live with and build around Dak Prescott and Dak Prescott is happy with the money that he, he's getting and it doesn't take away from some of the other things that they can do around him. Is there any chance, because as you've said, they've been negotiating for years. Uh, I'm sure there must be a feeling after a while, like, hey, we were just going around in circles. We're not getting anywhere. Is there any possible chance Jerry gets fed up and says, you know what? We're going to slap the non-exclusive tag on you. Feel free to go and try to negotiate a deal. And when you get the deal you want, we'll take the two first round picks and we'll, you know, we'll trade up this year and we'll just move on and get a new quarterback. Well, you know, I, I at this point with them not being franchised, I think everything's on the table. You know, maybe it does get to that point. Who knows? Now, I, I do believe they'll get him signed. I do believe they'll get him signed to a long-term deal just because I think their backs are against the wall right now. But I think everything's on the table. You can't rule out anything and you can't be surprised with anything that happens in this negotiation right now just because it hasn't happened. I mean, 
everyone thought he would be signed at this point. The fact that he's not leaves everything on the table. You can't rule out anything happening in this. You can't rule out that he won't be your quarterback this year. Frankly, you can't. So until he's signed to a long-term deal, I just, I, I think all of that's on the table that, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a possibility. Jerry's never had a situation like this. I mean, you think about it all the years ever going back to the agency in the middle of the 1990s. He's never had this situation with any player. Des Bryant signed at the 11th hour. I mean, you go back to all the negotiations. Demarcus Lawrence got that tag, second tag. They, they quickly signed him to a long-term deal. I mean, they've always gotten these deals done. Jerry always has believed when I sit down with a player and, and I talk to him, I can get him to accept this deal. That's been the one guy that hasn't worked with. And it probably will continue not to work with. He wants to get his money. He's made that clear. They're not going to give a hometown discount. So now the cap's down a little bit, you know, he's still going to make 37 million. So maybe he just says, I'm going to make my 37 million or I'm going to go hit free agency and somebody will pay me 37 million and, and, and we'll move on. So everything's on the table, those stats. I think when, when they're in this situation and haven't signed him to this point when they've had, over two years to get that done. Last question for me, and this is not Dak related either. It's about Mike McCarthy, because honestly, I was wondering, like before Mike McCarthy smashed a few watermelons last year, I was really starting to worry about his status there with the Cowboys. I know Dak got hurt, so maybe that, you know, gives him a little leeway, but how secure is Mike McCarthy there if the Cowboys either have to deal with a Dak holdout or just flat out struggle? Well, we know Jerry Jones is <laughs> is cheap in some respects. He does not like paying off contracts. And, and we've seen that with coaches. I mean, you let Jason Garrett go to the end of his contract. He didn't know him any money when Jason Garrett left. And, and he didn't know Wade Phillips a ton of money when he left. So, it, you know, sort of like the Bengals in a way that, that, that he doesn't like paying off coaches and coaching staff. Sometimes it's necessary, but he would rather not do it. I think he's got another two years. I really do with the cap going down and we'll see what happens with Dak and Dak coming off the injury and everything else. I think he's got this year and next year. Now, having said that, if they go out and win one game or two games or something this year, then, then I think all bets are off. I, I'm not ruling out that they would move on from Mike McCarthy, but I think the plan right now is at least to give him two more years. Now they play in a bad division. We know that if they can't win the division over the next two years, then I'm probably looking elsewhere for my next coach, wondering who that can, can take me to the, to the next level. Um, this was not a good year for Mike McCarthy. There were too many decisions that he made, clock management decisions, game management decisions that he made that just didn't turn out and weren't good. I don't think Mike McCarthy had a good year, but he didn't have an all-season program. He'd been out of it a year. The analytics was so big. He spent that year doing all these analytics stuff. Maybe he figured some things out too. So you're definitely willing to give him a second year. He's won a Super Bowl. There aren't many of those coaches out there. But stats, if, if they don't have a playoff season this year, if they can't win that division, I'm with you. I think the pressure is fully on Mike McCarthy going into next year. I think he's probably the coach on the hottest of hot seats going into 2022 if they can't win the division this year. It is. There is so much swirling and uncertainty around the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know how both of you deal with that because it, it, it seems to never stop. It's incredible. But Shireen, we thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for stopping by. As I said, the most distinguished, accomplished member of the Pro Football Talk family by far. We thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks again to Shereen Williams. Okay, RJ, she said it. Everything is on the table right now for Dak Prescott, including him not being a Dallas Cowboy. Scale of one to ten, what is your worry level right now? It's a ten because oh. ev ev well, because every like she's right, and I I wrote about this recently at BTB. It would be irresponsible of the Cowboys to not be you know evaluating options at quarterback with the tenth overall pick. It really would just because. However infinitesimally small, if you think it is, there is a finite and measurable 
percentage that Dak Prescott is not the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys in 2021. So until that is affirmed in some capacity, even by the franchise tag, it makes total sense to, you know, be completely worried. The only thing I wanted to add was you asked her about Mike McCarthy and, and being on the hot seat. And she said, well, you know, and I agree with her. If, if things go obvious, I think this is true for most coaches, you know, notable exceptions. But if, if they were to bottom out this year, obviously it, it might be the end. But I also think it would be a really, really bad shake for Mike McCarthy, right? Like, hey, coach, welcome to the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, crap, the global pandemic hits. Everything's terrible. Oh, man, this really sucks. Okay, year two, you got your feet under you. Guess what? Dak Prescott's out. You know what I mean? Like that, And I do think – and that's that's my last thought on this is not, not retaining Dak, even so far, runs counter to what – to everything the Cowboys have done. I mean, Mike Brook, I hate the term win now, but I mean, he was this like, okay, he's the final infinity stone to this roster that we have. Dak got hurt. That's unfortunate. But they re-signed Kellen Moore to a three-year contract, their offensive coordinator. They brought Dan Quinn in on a three-year deal to be the defensive coordinator. They re-signed Amari Cooper. They draft CeeDee Lamb. Like, every the timeline of every other facet of the team is is to have success in the here and now. They play in the worst division in the NFL, in the easier conference. I mean, people used to say forever, oh, the Patriots get to play in the AFC East. The Cowboys get to play in the NFC East. Like, they have the easiest path of anybody to a home playoff game. And so I don't know why they want to pee down their leg on it. It's dumb. It's kind of what the Cowboys do. I hate to break it to you. And by the way, I will never ever feel sorry for Mike McCarthy, who was one of the key reasons the 49ers didn't draft Aaron Rodgers in 2005, and then he falls ass backward into him in Green Bay, and he just rides his coattails to a Super Bowl. So I will never, ever, ever, to quote Taylor Swift, feel bad for Mike McCarthy. That's going to do it for this edition of The Look Ahead. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe. We really do appreciate it. If you want to be the MVP of the show, throw a question in there. That will get a long way towards your very own MVP award. And you know what? We may have to find something to give away to the MVPs as well. I'm sure we could look in the archives in the stock room and find something interesting for people. I like the idea of their stats. Maybe it's a Taylor Swift album. Maybe it's maybe you spring for backstage passes to a Taylor Swift concert, something like sure, that. Sure, maybe. <laughs> it's just, anything's possible right now. Don't limit yourself, <laughs> right, Mr. Unlimited? That's right. Uh, shout out to Russell Wilson, future San Francisco 49ers quarterback. <laughs> Not San Francisco, but he's going to be somewhere else. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you next week. All right. All right.